0: Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Toda Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, the president of of westminster effects you can go buy stuff for your guitar westminster effects.com you can join the westminster effects doxology podcast lounge that's so many syllables on facebook uh you can support the show at anchor.fm and even even goodness we took a break and it all fell apart even a dollar a <laughs> month helps <laughs> you can subscribe and comment on facebook and instagram and that enters you to win a book we're going to give away a book today uh not joining me today in person is one, right, Reverend Bradley Cox, pastor of Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina. He's on vacation, but joining me via the internet, we do have.
1: Which seems like forever ago. It has since, been forever. Since we've done the show, or at least since I've been on it. Hey, everybody. John Ross here, Westminster Effects artist, Augsburgian Christian. Uh, let's see. Childless currently in Lincoln, Nebraska. My kids, what happened or, uh, there? <laughs> I, I sold them. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah you know some guy came out with a new uh a new fender based amp sim and i just you know i just something had to go something had to go <laughs> you no know, they're the they're, they're at grandma grandpa's over in in iowa and Good times. Uh, and i you know i saw your post yesterday on your what was it 21 mile bike ride yesterday morning yeah yep. well i did yep. i did a four mile bike ride so i'll just have well, you're to catching up you're catching up i am close on your tail cody fields you better (laughs) better watch out right but before we bore our guest to death let's get him in
0: here uh we have one rob mckenzie host of theology simply profound and author of seekers progress rob welcome to the
2: doxology podcast thank you for having me it's great to be here i I will say i am co-host of oh, co-host. Um, apologies. I, I, my apologies. I shouldn't. My my pastor who hosts co-hosts with me would uh, would not actually care if he was left out, but uh, <laughs> my co host and uh, they have a good time.
1: But,
0: yeah, so, uh, so tell us a little bit about, before we get into the book, tell us a little bit about Theology Simply Profound and what you're trying to do in, in that regard.
2: Yeah, well, Theology Simply Profound, we're a podcast of the Reformed Forum. Mm-hmm. So, they also have, well, there's a couple podcasts that are with that group. There's also classes, free classes that you can take on yep. uh, theology and uh, some great resources in the bookstore. Uh, theology Simply Profound is uh, trying to, to talk about theology in the Bible in such a way that, that it is profound, but it's also given to, to everyone. And it's given to everyone in such a way that a child can understand, and people that are new to Christ can understand, mm. and people that have been in the faith for 50, 60 years can actually still read Scripture and go, I never saw that before, and I've read this passage hundreds of times. Mm. And so we're trying to take uh, the doctrines, and we'll talk about it. We might mention uh, some of the more academic ways uh, this is understood. But we're always bringing it back to scripture. Always bringing it back to what is what is God wanting all Christians to know, and how does this help affect our lives? That's fantastic.
1: Uh, yeah, I really I really appreciate your the uh, I'll call it an abstract of of your or, or your your vision statement for you know, for the the podcast and the podcast network uh, that you work with. Uh, it gives me the warm and fuzzies. Uh, that you know, it's so rare where you see someone who has such a, a deep passion for, for theology who also fully I- acknowledges that it's something so simple a, ch- a child can grasp. Almost simpler for a child, easier for a child to grasp. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you cannot come to me as one of these little children, you surely cannot enter the kingdom of God because we're all, we got baggage. Kids don't got baggage. I That, that made me smile. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> well, and, and it, it
0: kind of gets to... Uh, the, how to say it, the diversity within the the Reformed Forum family, uh, because I've benefited both from Theology Simply Profound and Christ the Center, uh, which a lot of times that's like, hang on for dear life, this is way above my pay grade kind of stuff, <laughs> uh, but you always benefit. And we've actually had uh, Camden Busey on the podcast before, was that a year and a half, two years ago and um and you know it's it's just one of those things where you know i always say things the most skilled preacher can you know both instruct a child and instruct a phd in the same sermon right and and that's what scripture does is it it smacks us all in the face with truth (laughs) yeah yeah good stuff good stuff so seekers progress um Tell us a little bit about it, Rob, just how you got into it, why why you, why you wrote this. Uh, most of what you see in, in the Reformed world, if somebody's going to write a book, it's going to be a systematic or something specifically topical, but you went fiction. What gives? Doesn't that make you a pagan,
2: <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I did, I did my theology book, uh, Identifying the Seed was a comparative between uh, Covenant Theology and Dispensationalism. Oh, so that great. That was my first book, and that has done very well. Um, I enjoyed writing it. I've enjoyed all the feedback. I grew up dispensational. Uh, then I became Reformed. Uh, and so, uh, I, I try to help um, people who, who hold to a covenant theology understand dispensationalism. And then I flip it in the second part of the book where I help people who that understand what covenant theology is trying to say. Mm. Uh, trying to trying to bring uh, a good dialogue between the two groups.
0: Yeah, that's that's a really cool idea. Uh, that's something that I've really been advocating for a long time. Is hey, let's actually have the conversation instead of just
2: lobbing grenades. Right. right exactly. Well, let's not misunderstand each other and willfully misunderstand each other. Yes. Happens a lot. It's
1: it, you know I I I was unaware of of that book until uh, you know. I, I was reading over the the back cover of Seeker's Progress, and uh, you know, growing up, gr- growing up a Lutheran, still attending Lutheran congregations. Sorry, you know, it, it just it's who, it's who it's who I am, man. I like a little blood, I like a little blood in my wine. What are you What are you going to do? Um, but uh, just a
2: little, at all, just a
1: little. <laughs> you know, okay. just just kind of kind of there's like, is it? Yeah, of course it's there. It's you know, whatever. Uh, that's another episode that we've had that we've almost had about. 50 times right um, but anyways you know i wasn't exposed when i was younger to the dispensationalist views uh wasn't really aware it was a thing until like some of my friends in college started like really hardcore like knocking on like left behind <laughs> you know all that stuff you know, <laughs> it kind of, uh, and uh and so it's definitely something i'm gonna i'm gonna pick up i i see that uh seeker's progress is published through uh the uh Uh, the Kindle kind of uh, E to print uh, kind of method is, uh, is the uh, identifying the seed. Is that also through that? Can I find that on Amazon as well?
2: Yeah, you can find that on Amazon. Perfect. Wonderful. Thank you. So it, so I've done that book and that had kind of been, I was writing that book as, as we did on our podcast, a 13 part series on dispensationalism and, uh, kind of the same premise in the book, except I was coming at it from much more of a, uh, like the, uh, the covenantal side saying, you know, walking straight to covenant people, not going back and forth. Um, but Seeker's Progress actually came. We were also doing a series later on, on Pilgrim's Progress. So we were mm-hmm. going through the book and we were breaking it down. We were talking about Bunyan and part of my, uh, reason for wanting to do that on the podcast was that I don't think *Pilgrim's um, Progress has been given enough view as far as it's literary important. Um, yeah. The theology in it, of course, is, is wonderful, and every Christian should read it. Every Most Christians uh, have at least heard of it, and it used to be every Christian had read it. It's starting to mm. wane a little bit in our society. But from a literary standpoint, it actually was foundational within the literary world. Uh, some people actually uh, consider it to be the first English novel that was written um, you know it, it, not necessarily, it's a very different genre than Beowulf uh, but mm-hmm. but is it the first modern novel or is Don Quixote that's kind of the two that always vie for that but I think Bunyan is an excellent writer and he's an excellent writer as Tolkien as would say um, in his creation of a secondary world and mm-hmm. In a secondary world, a, Tolkien talks about creating a secondary world where anybody can enter, and you can enter into it without, you know, it's called secondary belief. You, you get the secondary belief, but you don't have to um, force yourself into believing the world. You just accept it as a legitimate world. Sure. And Tolkien has, within Tolkien's Progress, either dragons and satires and um, goblins and uh, giants there's there's a lot of, of uh, mythical creatures within this work that I think are overlooked now part of that is because of onion onion himself has said uh, don't pay attention to the story just pay attention to uh, what the allegory pay attention to the teaching that I'm trying to give you uh, but I think even though he's saying that he's still very uh, distinctive when he's trying to put together a story he's he's trying mm-hmm. to be a storyteller in it and that's kind of why we started to do the podcast um to break down theologically but also break down for our perspective our current series that we're doing right now is actually taking the second part of Pokemon's progress as christiana and her children and uh, a neighbor named mercy they go on the journey um but my book is it kind of sprang from that where i was so uh wrapped up in this world that it just started me thinking about other people in this world other places in this world what else is happening and so my character seeker leaves the city of destruction two weeks after christian so he's trying to catch up christian and along the way he um he meets he goes to certain places some that are mentioned in bludel's progress but pilgrim doesn't or a christian doesn't get to others a christian does go to and then there's a few places in the book that aren't mentioned that i just created but into the world and the main thing that seeker is is struggling with along the way of course he he reads the king's book he goes he meets evangelist he goes on the, the road the narrow way and but he's struggling with don't all roads lead to celestial city if the king is love isn't he going to in the end save everyone and so that's that's kind of the polemic that's going on with other things as well gosh darn out.
1: that uh, that struggle sounds sounds awfully uh, awfully timely and familiar doesn't it
2: right and that, that's kind of why i also wanted to write it because i'm seeing within what even conservative churches within christendom mm-hmm. are, are starting to at least tolerate other religions in the sense of well who are we to judge and these are good people. These are sincere people. And God mm-hmm. loves everyone. So who are we to say that Christianity is the only way?
0: Mm, it, it, I assume, and I haven't, I haven't gotten, I haven't finished the book. I'm eleven chapters in. Uh, how much does seeker have to do? Like seeker's name have to do with things like the seeker sensitive movement, uh, and and the fact that Romans three is pretty on the nose with. No one seeks after God, <laughs>
2: you know. Well, I, you know, obviously, I do try to use a lot of allegory, as Bun uh, yeah. did. Um, I don't use it as much, but uh, sure. but still, but every every name, every person, every place, it all does have to do with an allegory. It's just, I think, my emphasis was not was a little bit more in story than than Bun mm-hmm. yes. was trying to do. Um, but yeah, seeker, absolutely. These are people that seeker the character that i have he is a member in good standing in a in a in a church so ah yeah we always should be seen as a member in good standing in a church and yet you know in one sense we're all still seeking now i agree that we only become seekers because we've been sought first right so so we be So, God draws us to himself, and then we are seeking after God. Mm -hmm. But no man seeks after God who is not first drawn. Yeah, absolutely. um, But you're right that that label is used often by churches that want to say, uh, people that are seeking after God without any reference to the fact that God has to seek them first. In fact, most of those churches would have a denial that God seeks them first. They would just say that everybody at some point, uh, we need to present a church that is attractive to people, that draws them, that makes them want to seek.
0: Right. Yeah. Make the, the making the gospel attractive kind yeah, of it's, thing.
1: It, it's the bait, right. you know, it's the bait and switch struggle yeah. that, you know, that, you know, every, it seems like every, uh, every congregation that has at least stood the test of the last, you know, 50 years has, uh, um, has at least bounced up against. You know, it's it's that making making something. I always tie it back. I, I, God, I've said this on on the show a bajillion times talking about this topic. But um, you've seen Sister Act, right? Oh well, yeah. Who hasn't? Yeah, I, I know, right? So when when Whoopi finally gets the the choir together and they're really going to town during practice, and then you see all the kids out on the street. You know, they they drop their syringes and spray paint cans and whatever, and then they go into the church it's like what? what's this funky music you know and they, and they and they walk in and then you know uh like that's what like the seeker sensitive movement like paints in my head like the mm. like like that's the the outcome that they want is it but the outcome of that was attendance right it wasn't it wasn't anything deeper it wasn't discipleship uh and and it, yeah i uh
2: yeah, it's definitely, good
1: to help. I definitely appreciate the, uh, the allegory there also uh, just while I've got the hot mic um, for, I mean, I read Pilgrim's progress, but it was ages ago. Um, so not being as up to date on the characters, I really appreciated the way you indented the text and for the, you indented the dialogue aside from the narration. I, I don't know. Like if I've ever seen that done outside of, uh, I read a lot of hard sci-fi, like Andy Weir and and, and other folks like that. Very um, precious. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, and they always, you know, they separate things that are like a radio transmission or like a screen on a computer. But like, you know, normal dialogue is is just in. And usually it's because it's told from either first person or third person omniscient point of view or something like that. Um, but I, uh, I really appreciated the separation of the dialogue from the narration for someone who's not as uh, uh, not as knowledgeable anymore on the, uh, uh, on, on the world as I once was. So,
2: yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, definitely. I wanted uh, this book to be something that modern people can, can pick up and read and feel very familiar with, but I also wanted to have the feeling of, of this being an older book. Uh, which is why, even in the cover, I went back to uh, 19, early 1980s sci-fi fantasy feel. Um, and then with the dialogue, I'm, I'm hearkening back um, a little bit more in the medieval slash, uh, you know, like you were talking about where there's this, this third-person narration being thrown in there. And uh, almost like a narrator that, that is almost like a scribe that's kind of writing down what's being said
1: yeah no and uh you know re-looking at the cover uh that's very much a luke skywalker pose uh you know gazing <laughs> upon the the twin sons of tatooine Yeah, uh yeah with i mean and and maybe if you squint those uh uh those oil drills could be maybe moisture evaporators even so uh, uh sci-fi fans <laughs> get on board <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah I, I didn't think I, I actually it's funny um because the uh, the um david Facet is the the cover designer and uh i kind of gave him a brief and then he came back with this cover and I, I loved it i had not really thought about the star wars analogy i did see some war of the worlds uh the the 1950s oh, sure. oh yeah iPod, uh which i had never mentioned to him and i don't think it, i should ask him at some point if If, uh, he was even thinking about that, I don't think he was, you
1: know, it's a, it's a complete aside, but isn't it, isn't it just humorous how, uh, you know, we have one thing in our heads like, oh yeah, that is, that is common imagery. And then someone else sees it. Like I've, I've got a tattoo on my, my upper left arm. That is it's, it's, you know, it's Pentecost, it's a flame. And then there's a relief of a dove, uh, in it. And, uh, some people are like, Hey, is that a Phoenix? (laughs) Like, <laughs> no, is that enough? But the most, the, mo- the most, common one, and I'll, I'll, throw, I'll show it on camera. And if the if the Facebook group wants to see it, I'll show a picture. If you if you get rid of these flames here, it's the frickin' rebel oh, alliance.
2: Absolutely, one. that's what I was going to say. That's the rebel- <laughs> Yeah.
1: So uh, you know, at at the same time, celebrating the third person, of the Trinity is saying down down with the empire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, welcome to the Westminster Effects Toxicology <laughs> Podcast.
0: Come for, for the theology and stay for the Star Wars.
1: Yeah, no you no. I mean? Coming from the person who has a metal band who cut an album completely about sci-fi uh, allegory. Yeah, we're, we haven't completely cut it. We're working on that. That nice.
0: uh, that that'll be. Uh, it, it it tells the uh, the story of Martin Luther starting the Protestant Reformation in science fiction format. So almost. Uh, almost an I am legend kind of treating uh, treating the papacy and stuff like that as a virus. So So is is this, uh, is this Martin Luther zombie killer effectively (laughs) (laughs) effectively? Um, But yeah, so uh, so back to like the proper theology of the book, Um, like there's, there was one that really hit home with me where it's, you know, a little bit presuppositional, like you can you can see some Vantil and, and stuff like that in there. Um, after event or not, I'm not not evangelist after seekers conversation with agnostic, uh, it seemed plausible that if right and wrong really existed, they must exist outside of the will of people and that something or someone had to have brought all things into being and ordered them, can we actually have something called truth that is fixed if there weren't first a standard outside of us to look to? If the will of the people were the standard, then they could decide that everyone with green eyes should be thrown over a cliff. That could then be considered right or even moral in that society. If there were no true absolute uh, regarding what is right and wrong, then nothing is really right or wrong. Only that which the majority would agree upon. The arguments for a moral standard outside of us seemed to be sound. However, now that he was starting now that he was getting more information, he was starting to doubt. It was just like, man, we see that so much in Christianity right now, particularly you know us being uh, my guitar pedals are all theology themed because I'm trying to hit. That worship crowd, uh, many of whom need to read a book, <laughs> well, such as Seeker's Progress. Yeah. Um, start with the Bible, then read Seeker's Progress. <laughs> yes.
2: I, I agree. I think that Jesus said that in Mark two.
0: Yes, <laughs> but in, but in you East see, s-
2: <laughs> you
0: see so many Christian artists, whether they're worship leaders or not. I think of. I think of guys like Marty Sampson with Hillsong, or I think of the guys from Underoath or uh, Derek Webb, where you know it, they start off, oh yeah, we're all on board with with Christianity, and then something clicks. Uh, whether it's been something like the gay rights debate, or or uh, the perspicuity of the Bible, or what have you, and then something clicks, and they're just like, no, nope, I'm done. Right. Uh, and some of them have admitted outright yeah i was just faking it the whole time <laughs> which which is a little bit of a different discussion but it's so important to have that root right like yeah my morals have to come outside of me and the only way it makes sense is if god is triune in the first place right
2: yeah I, it, if we don't have absolute truth if there's no truth that is outside of us then anything goes and yeah. And so, we're in a world today that that is now starting to live, you know, our our society is starting to live uh, in the understanding that there is no absolute truth. The truth is what you Mm -hmm. make. And it's funny because if you were to ask them, well, is it right for me to, you know, kidnap children and sell them into into slavery? Oh, no, that's wrong. Okay, okay, I agree with you that that's wrong, but why is it wrong? Mm -hmm. Unless you have something that's a moral absolute. You can't even say that something that heinous is actually wrong. You can't say anything is wrong Mm -hmm. because if a a society decides that something is, is right, then because they've decided it's right, it's right.
0: Right. It's, it's one, it's one Facebook ad campaign away from being right. Yeah. (laughs) Let me just convince 50% plus one. And all of a sudden I've created new morality, right? Yeah that's exactly right that's how our world is functioning fantastic anything else from seekers progress that uh, that maybe we should be aware of as we read uh, like I I somehow hadn't made the connection that seeker should be considered a member in good standing uh, some other maybe uh, authors notes for us as as we progress progress through seekers progress I didn't even mean to do that but there you go
2: well I think that like like you said you hadn't uh, Seen that he was a member of good standing, it's only because um, he's on the road. He's evangelist mm. puts him on the correct road. He, yeah, he reads the king's book. He is instructed by evangelist, and evangelist keeps asking him or keeps bringing him back to being on the road, uh, keeping him you know, go to the cross. Don't don't stray from the road. Go on, mm-hmm. and and even when you know he does kind of stray at times. Or, or go off the road or come back or you know at least at the beginning the evangelist is, is kind of resetting okay you shouldn't you know why did you do that and and seeker especially at those moments he is saying oh yeah I was wrong I know I should stay here and he determines within himself yes I will this is the this is the road that the king has brought me to this mm-hmm. is my road. So I will stay on this road. And even at times when he's wavering about whether or not all roads are actually equally valid, he's determined that this is the road that the king has given him. So, he needs to uh, stay on this road. But he's also kind of wondering if this is the road that the king has given him, couldn't the king have given other people other roads? Because that, that the theology of some other religion, Hinduism. Well, God has given those people that religion because that is the best way for that people group to understand something about God that he hasn't revealed in Christianity. Mm, Subjective
1: Mm. soteriology. Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: Fantastic. Well, John, I'll allow you to put a drum roll in post right here as we announce the winner.
1: Oh, now I've got to remember that. Goodness gracious. All right. There's your spike. There's your way. Well, now I've got to cut that out. I mean, you know, just, <laughs> no, just man. leave it in. Just oh, leave it in.
0: Jeez, We're professionals here.
1: We're like episode 160. We don't got time. We don't got time for spikes and drum rolls. <laughs> we got we to gotta ship quality content to these people. <laughs> well, regardless, Mike Springstead, you have won ah, a copy of Seeker's Progress.
0: Mike. So congratulations, Mike. Hit me up on Facebook or Instagram or what have you, and we'll get that right out. Rob where can someone obtain a copy of seeker's
2: progress uh amazon is the best way to, to get it although we also sell them at uh reform forums website uh we have a bookstore there uh, i think it, i you can buy through barnes noble uh, but amazon is probably the, the easiest way to, to go just Fantastic. don't tell canon i, I, I that. Yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> and and there there is an ebook version as well, correct?
2: Yes. Yeah, there's a print and an ebook. Um there was supposed to be an audio book. There's there I'm still going back and forth on that, so sure. Gotcha. Well shall we move on to the Inquisition then? I think we But should you know I didn't expect the Inquisition.
1: Yeah. Nobody
2: <laughs> nobody expects the Inquisition. Yeah.
1: And this is
0: The Inquisition where you, the listener, contribute directly to the show where you ask us questions and we answer them on the fly. Uh, Well, that's kind of normally how we do things anyway, at least least with John and Bradley. I typically don't even tell them until like five (laughs) minutes before we start recording. Hey, here's the topic. And then they just kind of have to deal with it. But as is tradition, we start with Brian Morris. And this is a great question, considering we have a Reformed Forum guy on. At what point do we no longer utilize solid resources from another ministry due to theological differences? And as his example, he says, Saddleback Church, so of Rick Warren's association, has some decent kids content on YouTube. But now that they've ordained female pastors, does one still utilize the unrelated
1: material? Fellers? What do we think here? I mean, my my first, you know, my first jump into it is, is you know, it's very similar to uh, uh, to the conversations we have around, you know, what uh, what church what church bodies should we use musical content from, right? And uh, when there's theological differences, um, sure. I mean, the the weight of those differences should be uh, should be considered. Uh, you know, there there is a certain there is a certain piece, though, of when uh, we'll just say we as an institution, you know, a local church uh, uses a resource from another institution um, that is kind of or can be viewed as a endorsement of sorts. And when uh, when Sally Joe from the congregation comes up and say, "Hey, Pastor, where did this?" Uh, where where did this content come from? It's like, oh, it's it's produced by uh, by Saddleback Church or it's produced uh, by uh, uh, by Bethel Church or the Village Church or 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 I don't know Relevancy Church, <laughs> you know whatever. Uh, and they're like, oh, fantastic! You know, I really liked it. I think I'll look at more of their stuff. And they look at more of their stuff, and there could potentially be uh, a very slippery slope there um, that. Would take us from seemingly innocuous children's content uh, to uh, to maybe potentially even a different view on the authority and, and uh, sufficiency of Scripture. I mean that, that sure that's a leap, right? Um, but and and that's not to say that that's your answer. But I, I think that's something that needs to be considered as you consider what material to use and how to. Present that to your congregations, like, "Hey, we're using this because it's a beautiful representation of X." However, I don't know. That's always what goes yeah, I, first.
2: Yeah, well, I, I'll jump in. Um, yeah, yeah. I, if somebody if somebody came up in our congregation and said, uh, "I found this this great stuff I've been using for my kids uh, back or, or anywhere," um, and it's and they tell me what the content is, and it's actually good content. I'm not going to dissuade them from you. I'm not going to say anything against that, Mm -hmm. but I'm probably going to say, well, you know, if you want to find some really good kids content, uh, uh, as well, why don't you look at this? So I might try to draw them away from, uh, being associated with, with that church, that that organization, because that's kind of what you're saying where, um, yeah, they might find, have found something really good, but they, if they keep, Searching, they're probably going to find something that's that's not healthy. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm not going to talk them out of it. I'm not going to tell them this isn't uh, what you should be listening to. Uh, well, kind of like your the the episode uh, your last episode about uh, being gatekeepers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we are gatekeepers, but we aren't. Uh, we we aren't totalitarian when it comes to exactly. That. Yeah. Hey, we had a guest that
0: actually
1: listened to an episode or two. How about that? Shoot, we got <laughs> Rob, we've got hosts that don't even listen to the episode. So uh, <laughs> you've, uh <laughs> you've got uh you enjoy it. A, to so really but th- that is, that
0: is a fantastic point. It's, it's it's the whole baby in bathwater, like there's all kinds of stuff to consider there, but also uh there is you know, I started my journey to reformed theology by listening. To John Piper and Mark Driscoll and and years ago when before Driscoll had burned his church down. And obviously, like we wouldn't say that Driscoll is properly reformed or anything like that, but that's how I got started into the stream. And and it sucks you in. Like when, when you start seeing things, oh yeah, that makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. Well, that means this next step, and then it just keeps going. That could be the case for the less discerning and so
1: it's go listen to the gatekeeping episode sometimes i wonder if uh if it's whether it's more risky for the less discerning and and certainly these can be the same person um Mm -hmm. the less discerning or stroke and uh the person who grew up in the church and the reason i say that is the person who grew up in the church depending on church body um, will have an ingrained sense of trust for the pastorate, mm. like, like an ingrained sense of not you're better yeah. than me, right? Like that's not the message that 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 should be communicated because it's not accurate. But there is a sense of authority looking at uh, at the pastor of your congregation. There's a sense of of respect, of of trust. You know, I will follow. Like that's just part. Of your existence when you grow up in the church as a kid, and uh, for the longest time, I had such a difficult time um, when I was really kind of getting into apologetics. Viewing con- not reading content, reading content I can I can get on board with because I you know I like fiction right, and so I just have to change my mind. I was like, oh, this is fake, uh, but <laughs> but viewing content or listening to listening to audio productions. Um, from somebody in the role of pastor it used to be so very difficult for me to be like you know to come at that from a a objective standpoint being like what does he have to say and not just default to he's a pastor he must at least have some things right um because regrettably we know that in many cases that's not true um so yeah i uh i do wonder if if growing up in the church does does make us just a smidge less discerning when it comes to pastoral leaders maybe can content for another episode mm, quite possibly next question john trailer and
0: this is uh pertinent because we have a lutheran a presbyterian and a credo baptist all on one zoom call at the moment and once again we have a guest on and Bradley has abandoned me to be outnumbered by the Pado baptists but that is neither here nor there. <laughs> John Trailer asks, how should we pursue unity and dialogue between different churches that hold to different denominations, doctrines, confessions, what have you?
1: Could you ask that one again, Cody? Uh, yeah. Ke- Kelly sent me a message saying that she <laughs> thinks that, yeah, I just popped up in my in the corner. My Kelly's my wife for for our listeners who who are, who are new to us, and uh, she said, oh, "I think no. I, I think that ingrained trust is the same thing for you with doctors and teachers, uh, because we often we often get in disagreements on whether we should trust a physician or whether we should just implicitly trust a teacher. Usually, I'm proven wrong, and it's difficult for me to get over. But so that I was distracted processing that little that little silent quip, uh, which is true. Because, okay, yeah, but repeat. <laughs> How should we pursue unity and dialogue
0: between different churches that hold to different denominations, confessions, that kind of thing? So, I mean, we got three guys here, at least in the reformed-ish vein, (laughs) Uh, Lutheran, Presbyterian and Baptist. How can we have some kind of dialogue and unity? And honestly, I think think we just kind of showed how. As we just talked, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like we we all kind of, uh, at least being in that reformedish world, uh, we already have certain presuppositions, right, of sure. the doctrines of grace. Let, let you know, just leave it there at broad Calvinism. Um, so, at least on that basis, we can have a good conversation and then branch out from there and not anathematize each other. And then, once we get to something like baptism, then we can we can duke it out. Maybe even take off the gloves and you know maybe land a good right hook here and there. But then we uh, then we shake hands or
1: hug it out. Good game. Yeah. And and, <laughs> and, and, and and at the end of it, realize that iron is sharpened iron. That Christ has been glorified in the yes. midst of our discussion. I mean, you know, like every think, t- think- oh,
2: go ahead, Rob. I think, I think Jonathan uh, did this uh, at the beginning of the episode, where he uh, tried to sneak in this erroneous doctrine that he has of the Lord's Supper, and Whoa,
1: um, oh, <laughs> oh. got him! Memorialists you know, coming yeah. in with the forks and torches.
2: Hey, yeah, I'm OPC. It's what we do. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, if if we if we as the people of God have a love and respect. Each other, knowing that the three of us here we have differences, but yet there's some fundamental uh, the the um, the sufficiency and inerrancy of Scripture, the, the um, Trinity. You know, I mean the 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 sacrifice of Christ and Christ alone for our salvation. Um, you know, we we agree on some of the most important essentials. To uh, to Christianity, and so yes, there are some things we disagree with. And as mature Christians, we should be able to sit here and even joke around about some of our yeah. differences. Oh yeah, and, and yeah, and, and and actually, like you said, there there might be a time where we kind of drop the gloves and we go to scripture and we're saying this is why I believe that you're wrong. And then at the end, we say let's let's go get a drink because you know and talk sci-fi because we, yeah. we love yeah. each other in Christ. And we're going to allow ourselves to um, to have these discussions without getting angry. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And even if you do get angry, like I, I play I play church league softball. Sometimes we get mad at each other. <laughs> Sometimes an umpire blows a call. But at, at the same time, it's like, well, these are two different churches being represented right here. You know, we're we're coming with it at the understanding of yes, we're brothers competing against each other to the glory of God and for our joy in him in an ultimate sense, even if, even if that guy totally missed that tag at third base, <laughs> You're right? Not You're not bitter. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Last question from Randy Worley. When our brothers and sisters in Christ join pseudo Christians, whatever that means in behaving badly, and he has in parentheses, politically, etc. How can we encourage them to reconnect with Christ's mission for the church? So let's just say someone in our church, someone we're close to is putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable, if you will. How do we drag them back?
2: It it seems like the question's asking about if there's people in the church that are, uh, We're replacing political things, yeah. Than
1: yeah, yeah. When using using a political uh, issue or or standpoint as as part of your your confession or your creed. Yeah, uh, yeah. Most. I mean, we we certainly uh, we've certainly seen that with uh, uh, with you know the the QAnon piece. You know, I think we chatted about that a number of episodes ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Where you know I've seen people in our, in our own congregation who who are you know who are still members but have uh, um, have had to step back or or been asked to step back from from certain leadership positions, uh, not not like staff of course, but uh, uh, just like general lay leadership positions, um, you know, because of uh, how firmly they cling, you know, to to something. Um, That that removes the emphasis and focus uh, uh, from Christ and Him crucified. Um, I mean, certainly there's there's a piece of church discipline uh, there, and and I'm you know not being uh, not being a pastor myself. I'm not uh, I'm I'm not particularly uh, you know experienced enough to to comment on that, Um, but uh, you know. There's this concept that that my pastor, Pastor Hutton, uh, has been working on for his uh, his uh, his doctor of, of ministry uh, degree. I, I think he started his his thesis project, and it's this concept of show and tell, where where in in evangelism in uh, you know uh, ecclesiastical correction, you know what have you, uh, where the the show piece. Is is really where we seek to gain a, a mutual understanding and, and 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 to to really refine that relationship first, and then we go into whether it be uh, you know whether it be you know hard scripture or uh, hard correction or, or or what have you, and first seek to develop that relational piece. Even if that relational piece is just figuring out where the heck they're coming from, you know, I think mm-hmm. that's I think that's that's super important because you can't just you can't just be that guy on the street corner and be like you're stupid and you're going to hell because you believe or you think or you do or you you whatnot, you know you, that that isn't as effective as as uh, as those people want them to be because there's no relationship there. You're doing all telling but no showing. Right, I mean that. I mean, even if we take a look at the example of Christ, you know, the the woman at the well. First question, got kind of something to drink? Relationship. And then, granted, he moves rather quickly uh, into the rest of it, uh, into the corrective pieces. Uh, but there's still that connection uh, there there first. And uh, and I think with with almost anything kind of in this vein, that that may be uh, a healthy way to start?
0: Yeah, I think it kind of gets back to that first question where uh, maybe you can almost think of it as being underhanded with kind of undermining uh, how stringently they hold to this particular thing. Uh, just since, since I'm in like the capital of Trump country, (laughs) I can kind of (laughs) go, I can kind of go there is, is if somebody is still posting about Trump being the rightful president or something, regardless of what you think about, about election fraud or what have you um, that's, that's ultimately immaterial. It's, you know, well, maybe start emphasizing the Lordship of Jesus that God institutes institutes the uh, the authorities that we have, and yes, we do have this authority. that doesn't mean doesn't mean that the current authority, Trump or Biden or whoever, is the best person ever. It just means that that's who God has put in place in for his purposes, you know And so you start emphasizing the right things that may start to shift them a little bit. And it, I think one thing that we have to keep in mind is this can take a long time. We we have to be oh, patient sure. with people. Um, people have been patient with me. I know that. <laughs> Thank God, because because uh, I'm really stubborn. <laughs> really? Not at all. I've never oh. been stubborn in my whole life. Um, yeah. Thoughts thoughts on that, Rob? We'll give you the last word.
2: <laughs> Make it count. <laughs> Nothing left to say. No, I I think that. I mean, of course, we we've all experienced this, in the, especially in the last year and a half um, of, yeah. of of government government coming into the church, and whether right or wrong, causing a lot of havoc. And, mm. um, we've un- unfortunately uh, we've we've seen churches split over uh, whether or not the government has overreached and and the mandates that have been placed on us, whether we should follow them or not, mm. and. You know, I, I understand that, that, that these are important arguments. I guess that's one thing I would say is that we, we have to be careful as church leaders that we don't get people that are, are really upset about these things and kind of dismiss it or say, yeah. hey, look, that's not the gospel. That's not Christianity. You don't worry. Let the government worry about that, you know, that stuff. Just we need to focus more on Christ. Um, these things have a lot of impact in our lives and in our mm-hmm. churches, and So just, which aside is not healthy. Um, but exactly what you're saying, where it's like, has has God ordained all things? If God has ordained all things, then he has allowed this government at this time. And we might look at a lot of what's coming out of this government and say that it's, it's, those are bad things, but God is still allowing it. And that's true with any administration, any government at any time, whether or not you agree or you disagree with what's coming out. God is allowing it. And so, he has ordained these things to come about. And he has called us to look to scripture to know how we should live in any time. So, Mm -hmm. as long as we're being true and faithful to the gospel and to scripture, whatever is coming out of Washington or our local state or our town our first question Are we being true to Christ in our obedience to him in how we act as the representatives, the ambassadors of Christ? That's primary. Now, now we can talk about how we can deal with these other things, but if that first one isn't our priority, then our priorities are are out of whack. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Fantastic. Well said. Well, Rob? Thanks again for coming on. We Absolutely. really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I, I am really, I'm really enjoying Seeker's Progress. Uh, it's 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 not just a good read; it's a fun read, even mm. uh, with yeah, some of the uh, some of the mic drop moments, if you will. Uh, <laughs> but don't drop microphones; they're expensive. Um, one one more time, remind us where where we can obtain a copy of Seeker's Progress.
2: Amazon is is the best way, easiest way, uh, both mm-hmm. in paperback. Our ebook. Uh, you can go to reformform.com and look at our bookstore. Uh, I think Barnes and Noble also you can to Barnesandnoble.com um, and get it there. But Amazon is just the easiest easiest way.
1: Always is. As it always is. is things. Yeah. 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 Right or yeah. wrong,
2: it is the <laughs> easiest way.
0: <laughs> you heard it here. Go to Amazon.com. Pick up a copy of Seeker's Progress by Rob McKenzie. Thanks a lot for listening. I still haven't written. A proper outro. It's been three years. We'll see you next week. It's been three years. I'm sorry. We'll see you next week. Thanks a lot for listening.